0: You can have all the Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio podcast with our new app. Just search your app store, uh, Apple, Android, Kindle. We don't care what you use. Search the app store for Explorations Early Learning. Download the app. Give it a try. Cue the accordion. I've always wanted to say that. Kick back and get comfy. We'll host Heather Winnig and our co hosts from the Early Childhood Nerd Collective... Explore ways to cause and effect. Dig that funky accordion. Welcome to Cause and Effect. This is Heather Winnig, that early childhood nerd, joined again today with uh, by Laura from the Nerd Collective. Laura, say hi. Do you want to tell everybody about yourself? Yes.
1: I will. Um, I'll give you a little snapshot. Nickel tour, I guess. Um, my name is Laura, soon to be Laura Stillman. Um, I have been in the early childhood field for 31 years, long time. Started right at the end of my high school days, um, and I know that this podcast is kind of talking about where we started and why we started and that kind of thing. So, um, so anyway, I've done everything. I've been every. <laughs> preschool age teacher. I've had mixed age group. I've had infants, toddlers, twos. Um, I've been a director of an early Head Start um, infant toddler specialist for 11 years, and now I am director of children's programs at a large child care center.
0: All right, thanks. That's you. So we're starting with a quote. That's the way we do things here, and I think this one is from, if I'm not mistaken, let me double check. This is from Lisa Murphy on Play, Mm -hmm. Foundation to Children's Learning. So I just have to say, um, and and I don't I don't want to speak for you, but I think that you have a similar story. That I was sort of an ooey gooey lady poo pooer for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And then like paid closer attention to what was really happening, and now I basically am going town to town riding the mechanical bull for. her. <laughs> yeah. We're fan girls. We're fan girls now. So Lisa, if you're listening, we're sorry we were late. <laughs> but we're on now. Um, Okay, so here's our quote to start with today. We've forgotten what it's like to be little, so we inadvertently redirect, shut off, and stifle play because we think we should be teaching. We must pause to remember that play is a very intellectual activity overflowing with opportunities for problem-solving and creativity. To really begin believing and understanding this, we must first allow ourselves to remember what it was like when we were children.
1: There's a lot in that
0: but I mostly just want to kind of spend time remembering what it was like when we were children, Yep. you know, and then the listeners can kind of do that too. And maybe we can all get ourselves in a better position to really be advocates for this playful learning that we know is really good.
1: I was thinking about that quote that I posted on Facebook that I wrote in your book. Yes. Isn't that funny? Um, Yeah. So I I don't even remember where you and I were.
0: We were at the director's forum in in Indiana, like up by Brown County ish maybe.
1: Okay, and you and I were sitting next to each other.
0: Yes. Because what did they call us? We were like, I don't know. We had a table that we sat at at lunchtime to be resource oh, people. Oh yeah,
1: uh-huh. we were. Oh, we were. Um, we were like, what's what's that thing when you're like a, um, <laughs> when when you have like a specialized. We were specialized experts.
0: Yeah. So we were something. We were something. Anyway, we were at a conference. We were at a conference. And
1: I this this is not mine. I got this from Jennifer Strange, who is highly active in the Regio, um Reggio collaborative. Um and she came to Evansville and she said, just very nonchalantly, she said, you know, playing is thinking. And don't we want children to think? And I was like, Oh, oh my gosh. Right. And I thought, and I use that all the time. So I'm giving, when I am giving tours to families, um, you know, they're all, they always ask about, so tell me about your academics. And so I talk a little bit about our curriculum, which is Innovations by Kay, uh, Kay Albrecht. And it's a play-based curriculum. Um, and so I'll say that a lot, is that we really have that understanding that playing is thinking. And we really want our children to think. Um, so, so I, I think looking at it in that context,
0: um, is really good. So, and I think that statement's really hard to argue with. Yeah. Like a lot of other things that we try, that we say when we're trying to talk to someone who maybe isn't a believer in playful learning or play-based learning, um, they could come up with like a rebuttal that we would then have to meet. Right. But if we're saying play is thinking. Yeah. And don't we want children to think? I mean, who, what is rebuttal do you have for goes. that? No. Yeah, so I guess our podcast is over. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. No. Um, so I think it's great that you brought that quote back up because I'd forgotten it. Yeah, but I remember at the time it, it was in, important enough that I took a picture of it. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I took a picture of the page of my notebook that you
1: wrote. We up. do that a lot. I we know. might step down and take pictures of it but um, so we can remember it later.
0: I think we're nerds, is what yeah. we're saying. We're early childhood nerds. Yep. So, Laura, how did you play when you were little? What do you remember about playing?
1: You know, I did a lot of dramatic play when I was little. I was really into um, dramatic play. Mm-hmm. So, like, one of my earliest memories, and, and of course, this is really, <laughs> um,
0: you'll oh, I'm going to tell embarrassing stories about myself. Okay. Don't be shy.
1: Okay. So, I love the movie Santa Music.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: like it was my very favorite movie and I've probably seen it about 300 times yeah um, I remember seeing it in the movie theater with my grandma with intermission and everything um and I loved that movie so much and she went out and bought me the double album you know where uh-huh. you could, like open it up and see all the pictures and oh my story involves <laughs> double albums too <laughs> <laughs> so so um I would um my sister played the violin so I would take her violin case, and I would put on um, like a nightgown kind of thing. And I I remember this so vividly. I would go outside and twirl around and uh-huh. sing. I could, I could belt out the lyrics to almost every, well, I could, to every single one of those songs. So very theatrical um, background uh-huh. for me in terms of play. Um, I had a very elaborate classroom in our basement. <laughs> um, where I turned the ping pong table on its side and that was my, it made a great chalkboard. So for those oh, of you who purpose stuff, ping pong tables make great chalkboards. So <laughs> I had it set up in a classroom and for some reason my name was always Mrs. Horton. I don't know why. <laughs> I'll, uh-huh. I never, I'll, I'll never know why I picked that name, but that was always my teacher name.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: I had teachers in grade school that knew I loved to play school, so they would give me all their old teacher edition books. Yeah, me too. I mean, it was the cool, I mean, they had the spirals on them. I mean, they, oh my gosh. So I had a very elaborate classroom in my basement. So like, so for me, it was always around very dramatic play. Barbies, mm-hmm. my Barbies had very elaborate setups. And 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 very detailed stories. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, and I started in this field as a theater major.
0: Right. So yeah. I think that it all fits.
1: makes sense. So that that's me. Yeah. Style
0: playing. Yeah. Well, you know, mine mine is very similar. I I did a lot of dramatic play. I did a lot of outside stuff, yeah. but even my outside stuff was pretty much dramatic play. But it's so funny that your Sound of Music story because I also started to read like classic books pretty young, mm-hmm. so I can still remember, um, like, we lived on a farm, and we just had a big burn pile for the trash, mm-hmm. and so we'd have to take our, our trash out there and wearing, yes. like, a long flowy nightgown and making myself go out to the trash pile barefoot in winter and pretending I was this Dickensian waif. <laughs> I'm picturing, like, Little House on the Prairie or something, something like you know, Laura Ingalls yeah. Wilder. Yeah, yeah, so, and I'm embarrassed to tell you how old I was before I stopped imagining myself as characters like that. Hey,
1: with I, it, I think I had that nice classroom in my basement until I was probably... It might still be happening. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, but I played a lot with Barbies mm-hmm. inside, um, and I had uh, the Grease soundtrack, which was a double album. Oh, I had that. And the Xanadu soundtrack, which was a double album, yes, and that. those would be walls for my Barbie's room. So I would prop those around. That's so place. much fun playing. I know. We really should have known each other <laughs> as children. Um, and also sometimes I would put, like, real infant dresses.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Human infant dresses on my Barbies. Uh-huh. And tie the waist with something and play, like, Little Women or so, Gone yeah. with the wig. <laughs> That's awesome. In fact, I think I put, remember, 45s, right? Oh, yeah. Little 40 Records. Yes. I use those as Barbie hats. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that is
0: so awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. So lots of lots of props and that's probably even loose parts. Yeah.
1: Play, well know, I never out. used, like when I had bar like I had the Barbie one year for Christmas. I got the Barbie superstar. It was like three feet long, like mobile home thing. <laughs> like the cruiser. Mm-hmm.
0: Um
1: I would always <laughs> take stuff out of stuff to make other stuff.
0: To use technical terms. Yeah.
1: So, like, <laughs> I would take, I I the kitchen that was in the camper worked really well in her log cabin home <laughs> that I had set up. Um, uh-huh. But anyway, so I, I would never quite use anything as it was intended. I uh-huh. always had, I always made things bigger. You know, I had offshoots, right. and my Barbies always had pretty sophisticated jobs. They were models on The Price Is Right, (laughs) (laughs) so they would get
0: Barker's Beauties. I think you mean. They were Barker
1: Beauties. Yes, they um, they would get in their little you know Corvettes and they would go to work. You know, and I'd have them standing like this. Yeah. Yeah. And anyway, so so yeah, I think, and I do think that's that is a loose part. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I played. um, So I. Until I was 10, I lived in a, it was in town, but it was like a tiny little rural Nebraska town, 11,000 people or something like that. So um, we had a house and then behind the house, my dad had a shop and then there were a garage and another like shed in the backyard. Right. And I did a lot of playing in that shed with just kind of whatever I could find, right. kitchen play mostly. Uh-huh. Um, and, and again, not necessarily stuff as it was intended to be used. Right.
1: And I think also, too, is that I liked to use real things,
0: mm-hmm. which I
1: think, you know, illustrates your point or what you were saying. Um, and, and I try to tell that with, with teachers, too, you know, that the real thing is always better than the plastic junk that you buy from some catalog, you know? And, you know, and I know that this is a whole, you know, and we could go on and talk about environments and all that stuff, but, yeah. but really having a real pot and a real wooden spoon.
0: Yeah, is, absolutely. Is,
1: is way more fun. I always liked the real thing. It's kind of like the teacher edition books. Yes. Like those teachers had that much consideration that they gave me those things. I mean, that really made me feel good. Right. So I think that when you do those things for young children really the message is, is that I'm taking into I'm really taking you into consideration.
0: Yeah, my when I would spend summers with my grandma um, she, she, there was a farm, you know, she lived on a farm, and, um, she would, she would spend a lot of time in her garden and in the kitchen. Right. And she set up basically an outdoor kitchen for me that was pretty close to identical to her kitchen. Oh my gosh. Awesome. And would save old containers and put like water and food coloring of different colors and right. all the different containers. And even when she was, um, Pickling. Yeah, she would she would let me have some of the cucumbers that were too small, and I could get a couple of sprigs of real dill, real dill, and yeah. put that in the little jar. Cool. Um, so I think having real, real stuff was a big part of my play too. Right. And I also think when you talked about that plastic stuff, the commercial plastic stuff, I once you said that it occurred to me. I have a real sensory connection uh-huh. to a lot of the stuff I played with. Yep. As a kid too, I can remember one of the one of the farms that I lived at um, one of the farmhouses um, The water that came out of the washing machine Uh Would kind of drain into this big gross puddle right behind the house and if wood got into that puddle, it would rot in such a cool way, and I can still remember like pulling it and peeling that rotten wood in that gross water. Yeah, I can still smell that water. Yeah, and, but I could imagine so many things. Yeah, I think just it, that we
1: are so connected to those kinds of smells and whatnot. You know, like in the fall when we smell a campfire or a wood burning fire, and we're like, "Oh, that's the smell of fall," or you know. <laughs> Um, we are very connected to smells, and I think um, child care a lot of times doesn't lend itself to the best smells. No. You know, no. I mean, we've got diapers and, I mean, you know, bleach, bleach and, yeah. you know, it's a very, it can be a very sterile environment.
0: Um, and even when we try to add some smells in, it's not authentic. Yeah. It's still kind of overpowering rather yeah. than just adding things to the environment that have smells. Right. We think we need to control the smell Yeah, sometimes, and that goes too far the other way, I think.
1: Right. I agree. I agree. Um, the other thing, too, when I think about childhood is, you know, and I talked about this earlier in a different podcast just about how we have so much access to so much stuff now, you know, that when I was growing up, we had one TV in the house.
0: <laughs> I ended up with
1: a TV in my room later on, but we had one TV in the house. And when I came home from school every day, I watched Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers. And again, those are very vivid memories for me. Um, and I, I would, I would, I can't imagine ever anybody saying that they, they don't have some kind of, remembrance of Sesame Street you know um because one it was so it was accessible for so many people and um it did make so many connections but really Sesame Street was the whole reason I got into the line of working with children because I wanted to do theater for children Uh I wanted to be on Sesame Street Uh when Maria retired last year I'm like that
0: was hard for you oh my gosh
1: well then I was like maybe that's Maybe I need to go to That's high. your
0: opening. That's
1: your spot. Well, as a kid, I thought that Sesame Street was filmed at the WNIN studios over on you know, on the west side of Evansville. Uh-huh. Because I didn't I didn't get that Sesame Street was filmed in a big studio in New York. You know, I thought yeah. that so we passed by there and I'm like, it's not up in there. <laughs> Sorry are my favorite people in that building Nasty. oh yeah and, and I mean as a child that you know we have that sort of childlike you know everything happens right here and, uh-huh. and when you think about the television set and it was before we had all of this uh-huh. you know so anyway I, I would love to watch those and recreate moments from Sesame Street and probably my most vivid was and I think it was Maria, but she had created this little be-by-myself area on a landing on her fire escape, <laughs> and it had, like, little flowers and a place for her to sit, and it was her own little space. Mm. And I remember going in my room and wanting to create this space because I shared a room with my sister, and I wanted to create some kind of space where I could be by myself. Yeah. So I think that those kinds of things lend itself to, you know, really prompting imagination.
0: Yes. Yeah. I um, I also have some weird Sesame Street toy childhood stories. I had an Oscar puppet, just like a hand puppet. Okay. And I cut a hole in his the back of his mouth. Uh huh. And I would take him outside and like feed him leaves. Oh. And I could push the leaves through that hole, and then so it was funny. like he was... That's so nice of you. <laughs> well, I thought he would appreciate yeah.
1: it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But then I also did some crazy stuff, like... Do you remember the little silky half-slips that little girls had to wear in, like, yeah. the 70s yeah, yeah, and yeah. 80s? I had a couple of those that I would pin to my Kermit doll's head uh-huh. for hair. That was his hair. And then I put lipstick on him. And I still have that Kermit doll with lipstick stains. I don't know what on earth I was thinking or what that play was, but clearly, I wasn't using Kermit as it had been intended to be used. I'm sure that's not what Kmart had intended when they put Kermit on the shelf for me. I love uh,
1: those Muppets. Yeah. I,
0: me, me t- I still do. I still do. You know,
1: I I still do. And, you know, to me, there's nothing better than those vintage Sesame Street clips. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they had to be just the sweetest thing. And. I can see why I was so drawn to it because those just those muppets, and I think the whole thing that Jim Henson created was really about being nice to each other and being accepting and and even having this character as Oscar the Grouch, you know, yeah, Oscar was grouchy, he right.
0: and it was a okay,
1: <laughs> but he was okay with that. Yeah, And the other thing, too, was everybody else was okay with him, too. Right. And I think that, you know, really, you know, we could really delve deep into, you know, what was his psyche or whatever. But the point is, is that they're reaching out to young children for them to just understand that everybody's different. We all have different personalities, and and we can all at least somewhat try to get along. Mm Um. And, and that times are hard. And that's the other thing I think that Sesame street has done an amazing job with is that, you know, understanding that, that's bad and bad things happen. Uh And, you know, Mr. Rogers is really good about that too. And, um, that was another show that heavily impacted me was Mm -hmm. Mr. Rogers neighborhood. And I loved him because he very much was, I love you just the way you are. Mm -hmm. And, um,
0: it was I, very child-focused. It wasn't – he had no agenda no. other than acceptance nope. and imagination. Yeah. You know, other than that, it was really just um,
1: – Well, his land are, of make-believe was another yeah. – I was like, well, you know, if Sesame Street doesn't work out, I can go down the street to Mr. Rogers' <laughs> neighborhood, and I can, you know, hang out with – Pop Train And all those folks, you know, they're oh, cool. We'll I'd okay with that. Yeah.
0: Henrietta Pussycat. What? Henrietta Pussycat. Oh, my gosh
1: Henrietta pussycat and who it was it hoot the owl or am I getting that mixed up with new zoo review I you know because that was other yeah. one yeah love the yeah. new zoo review <laughs> um, those were fun cats too um but you know really that's where I got my start yeah. um, in early childhood um you know it was just I I changed because that's a very hard field to get into. Children, you know, theater is one very difficult discipline um, that requires a lot of time and effort, and and I mean, it really is very competitive. Children's theater is even more so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So well, I'm glad that you're. In this with me now because I, I people, wouldn't have met you, you in theater. Kaylee
1: writes about the connection between theater and early childhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how and it, when you're working with young children, you really are kind of
0: the director of this of this stage. Mm-hmm. Right, and I mean, I just think that's such a great analogy for a teacher who sets up a playful learning environment. And facilitates what's happening yeah. rather than, um, you know, like maybe a conductor of an orchestra would be a different analogy. Yeah, and
1: I think we've talked about this before, and I think you can tell the difference between a teacher who really understands playful learning and really understands facilitating versus playing teacher. Yes. You know, that. Um, When I think of a a teacher playing teacher, you know, they're sitting up in their chair. The kids are all down here, and they have their book, and it's very, you know, this. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't really meet the kids where they are. You know, not not that reading a story is a bad thing by any stretch. It's just the way that the story is told.
0: Right, and how what your role is in that. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um exactly. Tiffany, who does who does some of the other episodes, she and I just uh a couple episodes ago had a conversation about managing a classroom versus teaching children. Ah. And I think that sort of fits what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, the is the adult's role the center yeah. who's managing or kind of involved in all parts right. and and following the leads and that kind of thing. Right. So I'm looking at the, the list of the other questions about how we played when we were little. and So who did you play with when you were little?
1: Um, I had, you know, I had some neighborhood friends. I had a friend across the street um, that I used to play with quite a bit. Um, but I'll be honest, I did a lot of solitary play. And I think that it was because if I could be alone, I could create kind of my own world. Yeah. Um, but... You know, occasionally, you know, we would all play school together and that kind of thing. But I would say that a lot of these types of activities that I was talking about were played solo.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of mine were, too. I mean, I had neighbor kids Uh when we lived in town, and I remember, you know, kickball, and um, Jamie was – Probably in the shed with me at some point, uh-huh. playing house and doing all that kind of stuff. And, um, but a lot of it was was just me. Yeah. Um, and especially once I moved onto a farm, when there just weren't any neighbor kids yeah. anymore. But I feel like it was maybe richer. Yeah. For being just me. Mm-hmm. So as I thought about that, I wondered. So how do we? What do we take from that to translate and to to take this back to working with with young children? Uh, you know, other than just allowing for them to choose to be alone sometimes. Yeah,
1: I think that it's just saying, hey, it's okay if they want to be by themselves, you know, and I think this also, I have a real issue with there's only three people in here, so let's say that you've got someone like myself who's in the the kitchen area, and I'm playing, and I'm really kind of doing my own thing, and because you have this rule that you know, there has to be three people in here or there can be three people, it doesn't mean that there should be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as as a teacher, I really would want to look at that, you know, because then if, you know, if, if, you know, Mary Jane comes to me and says, well, Laura's in the kitchen and there's three people in there and she doesn't want me to be in there. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to say, well, that's okay okay you know laura really wants to play by herself right now why don't i help you find something else
0: yeah you
1: know are you wanting to play with the pots and pans why don't we we can put that somewhere else you know and also kitchen stuff doesn't have to stay in the kitchen area right and maybe she just wanted to dress up in the dress-up clothes that's cool you know we Mm -hmm. can get that stuff out and you can do that in the library or you know wherever so it's it's kind of stretching yourself a little bit um I think Lisa Murphy's the one that came up with the comfort stretch, you know, like uh-huh. taking somebody out of their comfort zone. Um, like, you know, we're not going to totally take you out of it, but we're going to ask you to stretch just a little bit, you know. Um, and if, if you've heard it once, you've heard it twice, you know, nothing goes out of dramatic way. <laughs> it's like, well, when you get dressed up, do you stay in the kitchen? <laughs> Actually, That's no, great. I think you're leaving. Right. If you've got your purse and whatever, you're out of there. Yeah. You know, so if you do want to walk around because you know you've got to go over to the block area and see what's what's going on over there, go for it. Right. So I think <laughs> letting go of, a well, lot of
0: that stuff. Yeah, issues of power keep coming up oh in these conversations, yeah. and I think that whole um, how many people can be in an interest area at a time yeah. is and really a
1: negotiation that doesn't need to take place. And and right. this is what this just really yanks my chain is, you know, I remember a long time ago going to a, a workshop, you know, back in the day. I mean, this had to have been early 90s. And, you know, this was when the whole, well, if you allow three people in your dramatic play, it's really going to, you know, it's going to limit the chaos. And and if you want to have that fourth person, then, then they can kind of explain to you why they want to come in. What? I'm You know, I don't need a four-year-old to negotiate with me why they want to go play in the kitchen. Yeah. Can I go yeah, play in the kitchen? Of course you can. Unless it's with Laura. Laura doesn't want you to play. Laura doesn't want you in there. Laura wants you to go away.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I think and sort of and I think sometimes we create more stress for ourselves oh, by giving yeah. to too much power yeah. instead of just saying uh, you know, responding to children as if we would as we would to another adult who came to us. Right. A suggestion or a request or a problem. Right. right. We we would probably take more time with a friend who came to us with Right, Laura doesn't seem to be taking my calls or you know, whatever it is. <laughs> right. Then we do to a three-year-old who just comes over and says, Laura won't let me play. Yeah. But it's the same skill, I think.
1: Yeah, the, I think so too. I think so too. And I think that <clears throat> with some of these, you know, methods that came out in the mid nineties with the nine steps to conflict resolution or whatever. Oh my gosh. You know, I mean, kids don't need nine steps to, come on, are you kidding me? But the thing is, is that I did that because I went to a workshop and that was, it's like when time out became all the rage in 1990, you know, I mean, we did these because at the time it was kind of the one, one thing that's all kind of thing. Well, kids can't do, I mean, whatever, nine steps. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Come on. And one of those steps is negotiation. You know, and I, and I'm not saying that kids can negotiate. They're amazing negotiators. Um it's just why are we having to do that?
0: Why do they have to? Yeah. Yeah. In those situations, right. yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I had uh, a a 4-year-old. <laughs> his dad was a lawyer. And um <laughs> and I put him in time out. This was 92 maybe. And uh he was sitting there and I I came over to do, you know, you, you got to go you did the talking to. That was part of the part of the steps of time out. And I walked over, and the first thing he said, he goes, hey, can I, can we negotiate
0: here? Can we negotiate this right now?
1: And and it was because it's like, yeah, anyway. Yeah,
0: yeah. You should have been um, Hindsight 2020, right. which we talked about before. Right. You should have been in the episode that Tiffany and I did about the things we did before we knew better. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. That would last <laughs> maybe me about four and a half hours. We'll do part two maybe, yeah. and you can chime in on that because that's the kind of stuff that – that I think about. Um, so let's see. Then there's some. There's a question here. How did you spend your lazy summer days? Um, and you know, it's summer vacation yeah. now for a lot of school kids. Mm-hmm. And I had total freedom I in did summer too. vacation. I
1: did too. And I
0: think now, it, I mean, I don't want to get on to the kids or this generation is going to hell yeah. in a handbasket kind of crotchety old talk. But I do feel badly for for kids now who don't have that kind of freedom. And even if it's not summer vacation, right. just coming to a child care center right. for or a family child care home right. for as many hours as they do, and having everything sort of laid out and dictated. Right. I will uh, say
1: that our summer our summer program has been really laid back, and I like that. You know, and I think I've been a little it bit certainly relaxed. can be done. I've been a lot more lax about, you know, how like if they wanted to watch a short movie or, you know, and we, and like I said, we've had atrocious, uh, we've had atrocious weather. Mm -hmm. Uh, We, this last week we had a severe thunderstorm almost every day um, and torrential rain. So we've been inside a lot. So I've become a lot more lax because it's true. You know, I mean, when I was growing up, my mom was a stay at home mom. Um, We would go swimming and go on vacation. And I, you know, it, it was very relaxed. I, you know watch TV. I mean, I did all that stuff and it was great. So, yeah. I am a little bit more relaxed um during the summer and I'm and I'm okay with my teachers being that way too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think as I was as I think about my own play experiences growing up, they're almost without exception very happy memories. Yeah. Very positive things. And so I wonder can that same kind of memory be created when you're in a classroom 10 hours a day and primary colors are everywhere and everything is plastic and your day is completely scheduled. I just wonder what, what that memory making is like. And it sort of lays heavy on my heart sometimes.
1: It, It does me too. And, and I, I really try to remind folks of that, whether you know, as an administrator or as a trainer or, you know, um, instructor that, you know, these are the memories that kids are going to take with them. Um, you know, I'm glad that I, you know, in the summertime I could go out in the backyard with a violin case and, around <laughs> and sing a sound of music. Um, yeah. so, I, you know, I, I'm glad I had that, but had I been little in this day and age, I've Probably wouldn't right. so um, so that 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 does that can keep me up at night,
0: yeah, I think it I think it was Jim Greenman who talked about places for childhood, yeah, instead of talking about classrooms or early childhood environments he would he would use the phrase creating places for childhood, yeah, and I think that's a nice
1: I love that
0: way to think about it yeah. um and just to even if it's just thinking about what parts of the day can I make less institutional yeah. or can I make less rigid right. um, and a little bit more free. Yep. Because I, I think that a lot of times adults feel like if we're thinking about memory making and childhood, they feel like it has to be a big grand gesture right? when clearly it could be a couple of double albums yep. have <laughs> Barbie dolls. Yes.
1: I will say in our preschool, our pre K classrooms, the kids do, uh, they have the big tubs of Barbies and clothes, and they have all the Barbie stuff. And I love to go in there and sit there and watch. I'll tell ya, yeah. you, you want to get to know your kids, you watch them doing that kind of imaginative play, and you get an awful lot of information about what's going right. on with them. Right, right. It's
0: almost like their thinking becomes visible. Yeah. Right. When you're watching them play right. like that. Yeah. Right. I. So, Josie, my daughter, yeah. you know that not everybody does. She's 21 now. But when she was little, she played with Barbies in a much different way than I've ever seen anyone play with Barbies. Um, so, for example, at one point, Ken and Barbie were married and had several children. And um, because Ken wouldn't – shes been, I hope she doesn't mind me telling the story. Ken wouldn't help with the children, uh-huh. so he had to wear punishment pants. And they were like the pair of men's Barbie pants that didn't fit, right, or were ripped or something. They were the punishment pants. pants. And he had to wear those. And then one morning I came out, and all the Barbie heads were pulled off, Mm -hmm. heads heads completely shaved, like cut off. And then the faces were painted with white out. So I just had all these little white bald Barbie heads (laughs) all over my living room floor. And I never got to find out what the thinking was behind that. Because it happened while I was sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that she's got that memory now. Right. You know, like I could have gotten really uptight and told her to quit breaking her Barbies and right. that the hair wasn't for cutting and right. it devised some elaborate punishment to teach her to use the materials wisely. Right. But
1: but you didn't. You allowed her to yeah. be herself.
0: She just she just did her thing, and I I just wondered about it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think there's. Something to be said about that in an early childhood program. Yeah, too, absolutely. Let them do their thing and then do some wondering about it. Yeah, be curious about what's happening. Mm-hmm.
1: I love, I love that you allowed her to just
0: things <laughs> the way she wanted to do it. And
1: punishment pants. I'm sorry, that needs to be marketed somehow. I don't know how.
0: Yeah, I think there was some smoke bomb Barbie play too. Like on the Fourth of July, we'd hold the Barbies into the colored smoke. Yeah. And it would like dye them all different colors, yeah. like change their skin color. I
1: do remember one time, gosh, was it my brother or my cousin? I, I can't remember, but he had GI Joes,
0: mm. like the big old ones with the yeah, like, like the, the Barbie doll size hands mm-hmm. and
1: parts and stuff. And I remember one time we were trying to play together, and I'm like, yeah, GI Joe and Barbie just were not meshing. Like he was yeah. a little rough, yeah, for my Barbie. You know, Ken was kind of the right speed for my Barbie, but you know, my Barbie had, my Barbie always had really good friends. You know,
0: sure.
1: You know, yeah. She lived in the townhouse with the, the
0: elevator, that you pulled everybody wants to be her friend. Yeah. 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 She was fun. Yeah. My, my little brother is six years younger than me. Oh. And he was really into star Wars. Of course, when star Wars came <laughs> out, he was very little. And um, so he had all the action figures mm-hmm. and I would try to play with him. Um, but I, he you know, he wanted to play Star Wars, and I wanted to basically play house yeah. <laughs> with Princess Leia falling in love and being a mom and <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so it didn't last very long is what I'm saying, I guess. And my sister and I used to be try to be real sneaky. If we wanted to play Barbies without my brother knowing what we were doing, we would say, let's go play BDs.
1: Oh, Barbie dolls.
0: And we thought we were totally pulling one over on little brother. He'll you know, never now that I'm that sitting sword. here
1: thinking about my play, you know, the other thing I did play with a lot was, was baby dolls. Oh, yeah. I played a lot. Like, I had quite a collection of different kind of dolls. Like, I had one that was tender loving care.
0: Hmm. I remember that doll. Um,
1: and there was a male version that came out of tender loving care, and it was anatomically correct. Yes. I had I had baby
0: alive. She really pooped.
1: Yes, I had that one. You could get food and she pooped. Yeah. Um. I had, I had, a, had now two my bases. favorite doll was a doll called Baby Victoria, <laughs> and she had you know like the plastic head, but like the, you know the stuffed body, and then and I and she came with a little bonnet and and <laughs> I rem, I remember like the other thing that I loved as a child, and this goes back to the real thing. This this uh-huh, is going uh-huh. back. Good. I loved real diapers. Yes. I loved the smell and the feel of old Pampers, And I don't make oh. them like this anymore because they used right. to have that, that plastic and they had a, like a powdery smell to yep. them. Um, and real bottles. What? And, and real, real bottles. Text with my baby yep.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah. So my mom, I remember um, before it was Target, it was called airway and my mom one time took me to airway and she got me a package of real Playtex bottles and a package of real Pampers. Oh, uh, yay mom. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. And I took those Pampers with me to nursery school. <laughs> I did. Uh-huh. And um and my teacher Mrs. Ermer knew how much I love to play with the real thing. And she would make sure that I had real diapers in dramatic play for my baby doll. And, again, it, and that, that's con- again it, it goes back to that consideration, too, that my mom knew how much that would mean to me, not to get me, like, the goofy bottle that looked like the milk was coming out. Yes, those were the real thing, And to fill it with water or orange juice or whatever. And the real diapers. I mean, that, that was a big deal.
0: Yeah. So,
1: and, and really, it just made me feel really loved. And I think love.
0: that's not that difficult to do. No. In work with young children. It just takes taking yourself out of it sometimes right. and your agenda out of it and observing right. and listening yep. and seeing what can I add that will deepen this play. Yep. What can I add that will make this more fun? Yep. I mean, fun is okay. Yep. We can do things just because they're fun. <laughs> and they'll still learn. That's, that's <laughs> right. That's okay. right. The world is not gonna fall apart. <laughs> So to end this one, are there things that you think or ways that you've had success helping maybe families or maybe colleagues who doubt the value of play-based learning? How do we how do we make them see the value if we're trying to give them those same kinds of experiences that we are nostalgic about?
1: Well, I think this particular podcast this um, this exercise and thinking about how you played as a young child, I think is really important because if you love doing that, why wouldn't your kids love doing that? The downside to doing that is if you had somebody that maybe had a painful childhood. Right. Um, so I, I caution people um, a little bit because sometimes this can open up those wounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but, on the flip side of that, a lot of times because they didn't have these experiences is why they're doing this. So that might be, might be why they they chose the field of early childhood. But I think it is important to talk about what you liked to do as a young child and, and how that translates now. So I think having this reflection is really important. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I do too. And that's, um, that's kind of where I wanted to just bring it back around to the reason we did all of this, mm-hmm. you know, walking down memory lane besides just that it's fun. Right. Um, but there's there's value in sitting and thinking about your own childhood. Right. Good or bad. Right. You you know cuz I certainly have painful pieces, right, of my childhood. Mm-hmm. Um and it wasn't all, you know, perfect wonderful play experiences, right. but I can take both pieces. Mhm. And think about, okay, so then what do I have to offer children today? Right. Because of, of the pieces that I had when I was younger. Anything else you want to add before we end this one? No, I don't think so. This was fun. It was fun. I can't wait to talk to you more about the ways we played when we were little. We'll do it off it's camera. It's why we're though. such good friends now. I think so, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Laura. You're welcome. Can't wait to talk to you again. Okay. And thank you all for listening. Join us again for Cause and Effect.